we'll get recordings done either in a day or less hours or a day. And then once it's mine, I can sell it. And we sell in 30 days or less. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? I'm Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths people take in life. If you were listening to this episode on Monday, March 20th, the day it comes out, don't forget that today is the very last day for you to leave a review for the show on iTunes and be entered to win a free 30-minute tarot reading over Skype by Charlie Harrington, the former tarot reader that we had on the show. And I did a 30-minute reading with him, and it is amazing. It's so good, you guys. I cannot recommend more that you just head on over to iTunes, leave a you to get a chance at winning that for free because it was super awesome to do. On to today's episode. If you guys heard Thursday's episode, then you know that we have Mark Podolsky on right now, who is the land geek, who is one of the foremost experts on raw land buying and selling in the United States. So in part one, we went over general info about raw land buying and how you make good returns on, on buying and selling raw land. And we also covered finding what pieces of land you are going to want to buy. Right here in part two, we are focusing on buying the land and how we are going to buy the land at a very low cost and uh, a little bit more focus on where we're going to buy that land. And then on Thursday's episode in part three, we will cover selling the land. But right now we're focused on buying. Without further ado, here is part two with Mark Podolsky. So let's talk about purchasing land. So first of all, what are the various ways that you can purchase land to begin with? You, uh, I imagine just buying it cash outright is number one. I know you mentioned that huge deal that you did in Nevada that was actually seller financed. Um, any other ways that we could be purchasing land? Yeah. So you can buy it outright with cash. You can lock it up on an auction. You can extend your due diligence and not even lock it up on an auction. Just tell the seller, hey, I'm going to be doing due diligence. It's going to take me you know, 90 days. But in reality, you're testing the market. You're already finding a buyer and do it that way. Um, you can get investors. Um, you can do a fund. There's all different types of ways uh, to get money, uh, extend money, and and buy up raw land. Okay. Now, again, when people are typically thinking of real estate, they think of things like escrow and things taking like a minimum, let's say, of 30 days, like between when they want to you know when they sign on the dotted line to buy something and then when it they, it's kind of more or less theirs when you are purchasing land if you're just paying cash for it and or if it is seller financed or something like that how long but like between the time that you say hey I want to buy that and you like have a check in your hand for a thousand bucks and the land is a thousand bucks how long before that is technically yours and then how long before you can technically sell it right so we use a website called Simplifile. And we'll get recordings done either in a day or less, hours or a day. And then once it's mine, I can sell it. And we sell in 30 days or less. Wow. Incredible. So like best case scenario, you could be selling something. You could have not even owned something two days ago and you could be selling it today. Correct. Wow. That's correct. Man. Again, it's not like housing where, you know... <laughs> you know, there's you gotta you know you're not talking about a a two hundred thousand dollar transaction here, yeah. right? 
I mean, we'll buy properties for like five thousand and less. Now it's five thousand dollars or more. We will go through a title company, right? Yeah. Um, but otherwise, you know, we'll just close directly with the seller. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about land auctions because that seemed like a very big thing um, on your podcast and and like a big way to do all of this. Um, so, talk to us about land auctions, like where they are, how many people show up for these things, um, and and how you can kind of navigate something like that. Yeah. I mean, today I don't do land auctions anymore. Um, if you're going to go out there and do it, then, you know, basically you want to get a big auction and you want to be disciplined. You want to say, okay, here's the most I can pay and then not get caught up in the actual excitement of a live auction. Do you feel that that the return on investment is not what it used to be like 10, 15 years ago at land auctions? Is that why you don't go anymore? Or you just it, have it prefer now this other way? I mean, it just depends on the market. So, you know, let's say between 2003 and 2006, the market was so hot, you, you know, people are going to these auctions and they're paying 80 cents on the dollar, right? Um, and you'd feel compelled. You'd have to buy something because you're like, oh my gosh, I spent all this time. I got a hotel room. I got a flight or I, I drove up there. You know, I don't want to go to an auction to get shut out. So um, you'd end up overpaying, right? Um, now, 2008 rolls around and nobody has any money. So you could go to auctions all day long and buy all day long. It was amazing. Uh, today's market, I'd avoid the auction. I think it's going to be too competitive. Okay. Just more people trying to show up at these things. More people yeah. buying land. Uh, more, right. Right. Okay. Um, if let's say someone did want to go to one of these auctions, is there such thing as like, uh, finding a good auction versus a bad auction, like doing, doing almost your due diligence about the auction itself? I mean, yeah, I mean the auction in and of itself, you just want to make sure that the property isn't going to have any liens that you're not going to be aware of. So doing due diligence, it's pretty easy actually, but there are some things to look look out for, and if you got a big auction, you know that could be that could take a week to do. Um, but for the most part, even the IRS lien can be cleared up in ninety days. So um, I don't I don't sweat over it anymore. Okay, let's talk about that. If somebody has an IRS lien on their house, like that does not sound good. Uh, or I'm sorry, not on their house, on the piece of land. How, how do how do you yeah, clear that up? It doesn't sound good, but it's not a big deal. You just contact the IRS, and you can uh, you can get rid of it. So you don't even have to pay it? No, not necessarily. Wow, awesome. Yeah, and, and what about on tax liens on on regular, like non-IRS tax liens? I assume you're the one then, it, like when you're swooping in on, on somebody that has a tax lien on their property, like you said, ideally, maybe they live out of state or something. I imagine part of the deal with buying that piece of land is you are then fulfilling the lien. Like you're paying the lien holder the amount that they are due, that they are owed, um, and then you're purchasing the land. No, no. So basically I'm paying the back taxes. So basically the, the, the new owner or the owner on a tax lien property, I buy the property directly from them, right? Then I pay the back taxes. If an, or usually I have my buyer pay the back taxes because I'll sell it. Um, and I'll, you know, within, down, within the down payment, I'll get my money out. So I'll take that down payment and then I'll pay the back taxes plus penalties and interest. Okay. And then the lien holder gets paid. I don't have to personally get involved with the lien holder, the county. That's a deal with the lien holder and the county. Okay. 
Okay, gotcha. Um, and all right, so you said that your preferred method right now, as we just discussed, is getting the land before it even goes to auction to begin with. So I guess how are you getting uh, like lists of these pieces of land and, and all of this? Right. So there's a website called NACO.org, N-A-C-O.org, right? And NACO has all the information on all 3,007 counties. The, the assessor and the treasurer and the recorder, all their information is there, right? So then once you do your county research, you can be like, oh, I'm going to go to you know XYZ County and I'm going to get a list of people that own real property in that county. Ideally, it'd be great if I get the, the back tax sale list. If I can, if I can't, then I'll just take the whole assessor parcel rule. So you can just go directly to the county. It's all public information and get that list. Um, there's also other ways to do it. You can use a, a program called agentpro247.com, um, taxillists.com, and they'll actually sell you lists as well. Hmm. But there's always a way to get it. Okay. So this, and this is basically your bread and butter now. This is like what you do. This is what I do. I upload that list and the offers immediately go out. Man, incredible. And how are you getting these people's info to be able to reach out to them and see if they would like to sell the land to you? Well, the county gives me that information because it's public. So I get their name, I get their address, I know what they own, and then we just send an offer. Man, incredible. Um, And then typically you said when you are making a purchase offer, you will make a purchase offer for about 25% of the value? Yeah, 20 to 3 cents on the dollar, correct. So I'll just divide by four, and that's what we'll put for our, our, uh, our price. Okay, cool. Man, this is all so much easier than I thought it was going to be. It's so I, easy, I'm tra- right? It's a very <laughs> simple model. I mean, look, it's not easy. Don't get me wrong. It's not easy, but it's very simple. So let's go through the whole process, right? Um, the first thing is we want to get the low-hanging fruit. So we want to target people that live out of state and owe back taxes. We contact the county treasurer. We get that list. We then scrub that list, right? So we want to get rid of all the properties that are industrial or commercial or homes. Now we've got a good list and we can sort that list using the use code VL for vacant land. And then we're going to batch that list because look, I don't want to send the same offer somebody that owns an acre to five acres to 10 acres to 40 acres, I don't want to send everybody the same offer, right? So I'm going to batch it typically by acreage or by APN number, the assessor's parcel number, and that'll give me one subdivision, which will make it a lot easier also when they come back for due diligence. So I'm not doing due diligence in 10 different areas, right? So I can do one area and then I want to price everything uniformly from the ones, the fives, the tens, the forties, whatever it might be, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Those offers go out and then... Once they get accepted, we're going to contact the seller. Hey, uh, give us seven days to do due diligence, and then we'll get back to you. So what we do then is using our software, we upload that deal to our team, and they go ahead, they get the maps, they get the pictures, they have the video, and then we say, yeah, we see how much they owe in back taxes. If they owe too much in back taxes and we can't make any money, we'll have to pass or we'll have to retrade. So let's say, for example, Blake, that my offer to you was $2,500, but you owe $1,000 in back taxes, right? But I know the market, I can sell it for $10,000. I'll say, hey, Blake, the most I wanted to you know, pay for that property was $2,500. You owe 1000 in back taxes. So I, the most I can pay you is $1,500. And you'll grumble and you'll say, okay. Yeah. 
right? Yeah, then of course. We'll go ahead and close with you. Um, now we own the property, and then we'll start selling. So it's it's really simple. But the, you know, the big hangup for most people is, you know, there's three thousand seven counties, and like we talked about on on the first episodes. Well, hey, where where do I go? Do I want to go to my local area? Well, no, you want to go where you know there's a market. And so learning where the market is and pricing it is, you know, your first big piece of of work. Now, let's talk about what would kind of scare you away from a deal. Um, you mentioned, uh, you know, scrubbing lists and this and that. So let's say a uh, hundred people write you back and they're like, or they contact you or whatever. And they're like, yeah, I want to sell my land to you. And you say, okay, give, give us seven days um, so we can do our due diligence here. During those seven days, what would make you go back to the seller and be like, actually, never mind. We don't want to buy that. If there's not legal access, if my, if somebody can't find that piece of property because, or they have to go over someone else's piece of property to access it where they can't get there, let's say there's you know, a, a local farmer's got it gated off. And now I've got an issue with this local farmer. Um, you know, deals are like the bus. There's always another one right behind it. Then we'll just pass on that deal. But otherwise, for the most part, I'm not a land snob. I mean, it's it it takes a lot for me. To, if I'm buying it twenty cents on the dollar, I, I know there's someone on the other end of that deal. So because they bought it initially, like why did they buy it? Right. So, there's someone who owns it. So as long as there's a road to it, you're basically good to go. Even if there's not a road to it, can I blade a road to it? Do I have to go over someone else's property? As long as there's legal access, typically. Okay, uh, define, I, define that for us then a little bit more. Well, legal access is going to be uh, a term that says, hey, you're, you don't need permission or an easement to go over someone else's other property. So let's say, you know, when we look at it, roads in our own subdivision, we all have legal access to access our houses, right? right. Well, the same thing with raw land. There needs to be some type of line that says, you know, from A to B, we can get there and we don't need permission to go through someone else's property to get there. Okay. So even if there's not a direct road, like as long as you could just drive along the dirt to get to the property without going through someone else's property that's right, not allowing right. so you. Like, if, like, like, let's say I created a, a paper subdivision on my 640 acres in Nevada. Well, we created 30 foot deeded easements throughout the subdivision for everyone's legal access. Now it's just on a on a plat map or, or or a subdivision map. There's no you don't go out there and see it. So, you know, in reality, people are probably driving all over their you know everyone else's land. They have unfettered access, but we want to make sure there's legal access too. Yeah. How many other people do you think are doing similar stuff to what you're doing, Mark? Like you mentioned that right now that land auctions, you know, you're, you're just not going to get as good of a deal, obviously, in a land auction. And there's enough of these other deals like you're talking about to be had that it's just not worth your time, energy, and money to even go to a land auction. Um, so it, how, it sounds like more people are starting to hear about the whole land auction thing. How many, like, do you have a, a, a kind of a feel for your quote-unquote niche and, and like how many other people are, are doing similar things to you? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's so funny because my wife, when I started teaching and doing Land Geek, she's like, well, you're going to create your own competition? And I'm like, well, honey, I don't think you understand. Like, this is a massive market. <laughs> There's a lot of land out there. There's yeah. a lot of land out there. And this is not sexy. So not a lot of people are, are going to even understand it and want to do it. And I said, look, I promise you, 
you know, the day that I send out an offer and a seller gets back to me and says, Hey Mark, got your offer. I've got three others just like it. <laughs> and yours is the lowest. I'll, I'll shut down land geek. Yeah, for so sure. I've been doing land geek for years now. Um, and it's not happened. If anything, my business has gone up. You, no one's every. even had a second offer to tell you about or anything because there's I mean, just too you know, many out there. Once in a while, we get the second offer, but like, it's just you know, it's a massive, massive market. Yeah. I mean, think think about it like this, right? Think about when you go to your mailbox. How many credit card offers do you get a day? Oh yeah, it's insane. Right, but wouldn't the credit card companies be like, well, uh, you know, well, shouldn't we just stop doing this? Isn't it too competitive? No, the margins are huge. They only get to need a small percentage to move the needle. It's the same thing with land. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you have areas now that are kind of your favorite areas? Or do you, like you said, like there's so much land, you have to decide kind of where to spend your time. Um, do you just periodically move, you know, like, oh, this month is going to be like Southwestern Colorado month. Next month is going to be Northeastern Arizona. Or like, how, do you have like areas that are just your favorites and you like stick to them a bunch? Like, how do you decide where to go? Yeah, it's so funny. Like one, one of my clients, Jeff Axton, is a full-time firefighter. And he makes over 10000 a month working two days a week in his land investing business. Guess how many counties he works in? Two. One. Damn. Is it the one he lives in or is it somewhere no, else he's just he really into? No, he in It's the one county in Colorado. He's, he's bought, he just keeps buying land there. And it's crazy. He's, he makes more money part-time than he does as a full-time firefighter. That's incredible. So I, you know, for years, I worked in three counties. You don't need to work that many counties. In, but how, how about now for you? Well, for now for me, I've got a machine. So I, you know, I'm probably, you know, maybe eight counties. <laughs> that's so crazy still. That's like, that's like a machine is working in eight counties. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Good deal. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's go ahead and wind this thing down the same way that we did the one about finding land and talk to us about what the biggest mistakes that you ever made were with the purchase of the land and how we could probably avoid that. The biggest mistake I made was being a land snob in the beginning and looking at a piece of land saying, Oh God, that's ugly. Or nobody would ever buy that. Even though it was 23 cents on the dollar. That's the biggest mistake. It's so funny. That's honestly the exact opposite piece of advice that I, you feel like people will give. You know, it's like you feel like the advice is going to be something along the lines of like, oh, be sure you look so closely at the land and blah, blah, blah. But it's almost the opposite of that, which is like, just don't worry about it so much. You know, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's look, ugly. No big deal. I mean, I, you know, I'll teach you how to look for super fun sites and go to epa.gov and avoid like a, a massive environmental disaster. But if you stick to my states, you know, we're not buying property in New Jersey, right? Like yeah. we're not going to, to, you know, toxic areas. So, you know, there's one county in Nevada where they, they bomb Churchill County, Nevada, and the Air Force bombs out there in the mountains. Don't buy there, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. For the most part, like it would be just fine. Yeah, cool. I can dig it. Um, all right, cool. So once again, if uh, if you guys have any extra questions or uh want to learn more about this phase of the whole process go and check out mark's website landgeek.com um he's got an awesome podcast about it and uh and let's move on to part three uh talking about selling 
Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed part two of the series with Mark Podolsky. Part three about selling lamb will be coming out this Thursday. And don't forget, if you are listening to this episode on Monday, March 20th, it is not too late for you to enter the iTunes review contest to win a free 30-minute tarot reading. Just head on over to iTunes and leave a review for Half Hour Intern. Thanks so much for your support.